0: Hello, Bleeding Green Nation,
1: and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. And coming up on this episode of the podcast, we are going to take a deep dive into the Baltimore Ravens as one of the best teams in the NFL gets ready to take on your Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday afternoon at Lincoln Financial Field, in which there is going to be a smattering of fans in the stands. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, So, socially distanced fans in the stands, of course, but uh, it'll be good to hear some uh, some about 5,500 faithful at Lincoln Financial Field rooting on the Eagles this Sunday afternoon, and the birds are going to need it. The Eagles, not the Ravens. There are two different birds playing in this game. The Eagles are going to need it because the Ravens come in as one of the very best teams in the NFL. Of course, they were the best team in the NFL in the regular season, but losing in the divisional round, I'm sure had to leave a sour taste in their mouth, and they are no doubt... Wanting to get another crack at that Super Bowl coming up in just a few months. So uh, the Eagles are yet another roadblock along the way for the Baltimore Ravens. And for the Eagles, they're just trying to keep their playoff hopes alive. They're trying to keep their season alive in an NFC East that has gotten even worse since last we spoke, mostly because Dak Prescott is lost for the season with an ugly broken ankle. So uh, we're going to jump into some of the NFC East teams here in just a few minutes as well. But first, let's talk a little bit about this Eagles versus Ravens matchup here on Sunday afternoon, the Ravens again come into Philadelphia at four and one on the season. They've beaten the Browns thirty-eight to six, and beating the Browns isn't the isn't like what it used to be. The Browns are actually a pretty good football team this year, and to whip up on them on opening on the opening Sunday of the season thirty-eight to six is saying something. They also beat the Texans thirty-three to sixteen. They lost to the Chiefs at home thirty-four to twenty in a game that showed for right now the Chiefs are. Uh, a little bit a little bit ahead uh, a little bit neck and shoulders above the Ravens at the moment uh, the Ravens beat Washington 31 to 17 and then they lost a shutout in the final minutes of their game against the Bengals last week but still managed to rout the Bengals. 27 to three. So, the 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 Baltimore Ravens have not had a close game this year. At least, uh, not really, not in any of the games. uh, But um, certainly in the four games they've won, none of them have been close. The Ravens' defense was especially good last week. Seven sacks, each one by a different player. They had 15 quarterback hits on Joe Burrow in that 27-3 to win. As a team, overall, the Ravens have the top DVOA in the NFL, and defensively, they are ranked third in DVOA. However... Through five weeks, they are just 17th in offensive DVOA. The the Ravens offense is not clicking this year like it was last season. They're averaging just 339.6 yards per game. That is 24th in the NFL. They're averaging 178.8 yards through the air, which is second worst in the league. Lamar Jackson and the passing attack has really fallen off here in 2020, but they are third in the league in rushing at 160.8 yards per game and Overall, their 29.8 points per game are tied for eighth in the NFL, so they are still scoring. Now, some of that is most likely aided by their defense, which has been absolutely unreal so far here through the first five weeks of the season. When you have a defense playing that well, They're going to put the offense in advantageous scoring positions and that is what has happened for Baltimore so far this season. The Ravens have averaged those 29.8 points per game and only allowed 15.2 points per game this season. Since the 1970 merger, six teams have averaged 28 or more points per game and allowed fewer than 16 points per game for a full season. All six of those teams won the Super Bowl that year, the 1971 Cowboys, the 1984 49ers, the 1985 Bears, the 1991 Washington football team, the 1996 Green Bay Packers, and the 1999 St. Louis Rams. So certainly through five games, the Ravens are certainly playing well enough to be considered a Super Bowl contender. I I really probably think that Just about every power ranking has the Ravens either at number two or number three. I I can't think of another team I would put put ahead of them at the moment. The Ravens are, even though not throwing the football very well, they're running the football quite well. And, of course, that defense has been pretty unbelievable. Now, even though they are not piling up the air yardage so far this season, Lamar Jackson's 100.5 passer rating – is good enough to be tied for 12th in the league. And his 238 rushing yards are tied for 27th in the NFL. So it's not like Lamar Jackson's having a bad season, but clearly not the kind of season that he had last year uh, when he put up those MVP numbers. So we're looking at some different players here. And normally what I do is normally I have an SB Nation writer from uh, the opposing team's website for the following week. But unfortunately, we weren't able to to, to wrangle somebody up uh, from Baltimore Beatdown. But you want to make sure to check out BaltimoreBeatdown.com and uh, see what's going on over there uh, behind enemy lines and what they're writing about and what they're talking about. And, you know, it shouldn't surprise anybody that the Ravens and their fans are feeling pretty good about this Sunday, and why not? Because they certainly are the more talented team. Uh, Looking at a couple of key matchups here before we make our picks uh, later on here in the podcast, look at some of these players here who, who could have an impact in on the game on sunday and obviously there's there there are all the regular guys there there's there's lamar jackson there's carson wentz there's running back mark ingram who has rushed for 205 yards so far in 45 attempts he's scored two touchdowns uh they got a young kid named jk dobbins who's scored a couple of touchdowns also uh and of course lamar jackson leads the team in rushing yards gus edwards averaging 5.6 yards per attempt also, so they've got a dynamic backfield including the quarterback. So the Eagles have traditionally been pretty good against the run. They've traditionally sold out against the run and that might be the tactic this week. And one of the things that the Eagles have done in practice this week is have Jalen Hurts be Lamar Jackson uh, to to do all of the things that Lamar Jackson could possibly do run some of those Ravens plays. I'm sure that they've seen on film and no doubt the Ravens will have some new things to throw their way uh, this Sunday, but uh, this is this having Jalen hurts this week. Maybe it helps the defense figure out a way to shut down this Baltimore rushing attack. Because like I mentioned, the passing attack, has not been there for Baltimore so far this season, but that's where a guy like wide receiver miles Boykin could come in. Um, So far on the season, Marquise Brown and tight end Mark Andrews have gotten most of the work for the Ravens. They've accounted for about 55% of the Ravens receiving yards so far. And, Basically, defenses have kind of zeroed in on those two targets. They know that those guys are going to get the bulk of the targets, and uh, we know that Darius Slay is most likely going to be on Marquise Brown for most of the day. Um, He might move around a little bit from time to time, but Darius Slay will probably be able to take Marquise Brown out of the game for the most part. So one of the guys you're going to hear about is Willie Sneed, for sure, their slot guy, rookie Devin DuVernay um could also be another guy that could could leap to the forefront the eagles i'll tell you what it's probably is going to be Devin DuVernay because the Eagles have shown a distressing pattern over the last two seasons of letting rookie wide receivers destroy them. Uh, but one of the other guys that could also be there is miles Boykin, six foot four, 220 pound guy. Um, he's a, he's a guy who could make some plays down the field. He hasn't done much yet for the Ravens so far this year, 10 catches for 111 yards and he hasn't gotten in the end zone. Uh, really uh, the guys you're worried about on Baltimore, Baltimore's passing offense, our Marquise Brown, I think Devin Duvernay is a guy who, again, I mean he's been quiet so far this year, just seven catches for fifty nine yards, but like that matters. <laughs> you know, it's just how this Eagles defense plays. They let the they let the rookies go absolutely crazy. But Miles Boykin, again, ten catches for one hundred and eleven yards on the season. Willie Sneed, ten catches for one hundred and seventeen yards. The guy who the Eagles are really going to have to be concerned about is, of course the tight end Mark Andrews, who has 18 catches for 222 yards, the leading, second leading receiver on the team behind Marquise Brown, but he's gotten into the end zone five times already. So he is a dangerous weapon inside the red zone, and we know, we know how brutal the Eagles have it at linebacker right now, and we know how, how tough it has been for Nate Gary to handle decent tight ends. And Mark Andrews is better than a decent tight end. He's one of the league's better tight ends. Gary's getting gashed by opposing tight ends, and Baltimore could have, frankly, Andrews could have a huge day if Gary can't get it together. And you might see, we might have reached the point where you're not going to see him nearly as much. Will Parks is going to get some action here on Sunday afternoon. Finally, back after uh, after being on the, uh, on injured reserve for the first few weeks of the season and working his way back, having him on the field in some of these in some of these situations where you're hopefully you're hopefully getting Nate Gary off the field or you're getting Nate Gary on someone else or to handling some other type of duty you don't want him on Mark Andrews. And maybe that's where Will Parks comes in, and he can be kind of that uh, that that nickel linebacker who who fills the void and and can make some plays and make some things happen because it's not happening with Nate Gary. So uh, looking at the Baltimore wide receiver situation, that's that's what you're looking at. Marquise Brown and Darius Slay probably going to get matched up. It's going to be. It's really going to come down to Mark Andrews, I think, and whether or not the Eagles' linebackers and safeties can handle him. And if they do decide to take him out of the game, then you got to look out for the slot guys, Willie Sneed, Devin DuVernay, Miles Boykin. The Ravens do have some weapons there, but they are not top-shelf weapons. These are not, especially wide receiver, these are not... These are not Pro Bowl options at wide receiver, at least not yet. So uh, the secondary, even without Avante Maddox uh, the, again this Sunday, you would think that they would be able to to, to hold down the fort against a, a Ravens passing offense that hasn't been very good so far this season. One of the other key matchups is going to be, can Zach Ertz get back in the groove? and And him going up against defensive back Jimmy Smith. Zach Ertz has struggled to match his production from previous seasons. He has had a down year so far this year. We've seen it. We've seen the connection between him and Carson Wentz just hasn't been there. But that can turn around in a week. That can that script can flip in can flip in a hurry. Now, Smith is a ten-year veteran. Most likely, he's going to be the guy, one of the guys, one of the main guys tasked with stopping Zach Ertz. Um, he's got decent size, he's got de- decent cover skills, he'll probably be a guy that they line up uh, across from Zach Ertz, and what what has been happening with Ertz is he's been getting bullied around a little bit out there, and he just hasn't been able to to to, to shed blocks and, and run routes the way he normally does, but uh, if the Eagles are going to compete in this football game offensively, they're going to need their former pro bowl tight end to play like a pro bowl tight end. If they can't, if he can't do that, this team is going to struggle. Now the Eagles have seemingly an advantage on the de- on the uh, defensive line with averaging 3.7 sacks per game with their ta- pass rushing talent and branded Graham, Josh sweat, Derek Barnett. They all have at least two and a half sacks. Uh, you've got Fletcher Cox. You've got Malik Jackson. Um, you've got uh, uh Javon Hargrave. Now, these guys are up and down. Some weeks they're all over the place, and some weeks they're getting shut down. They they should not have gotten as shut down as they did last week against the Pittsburgh offensive line, but but they did. Orlando Brown Jr. is gonna is gonna have a tough task as as uh, as is the rest of the Baltimore offensive line to try and keep Eagles the the Eagles front four. Out of Lamar Jackson's face, but again, the Ravens move guys around. It's it's not a typical pro style offense we've got going on. It's not even a typical spread offense. It's just this is a weird hybrid offense that John Harbaugh runs, and uh, it's it's you know you're going to have to see Eagles probably the Eagles guys on the line. The teams have been taking advantage of the Eagles' over aggressiveness with with jet sweeps and end arounds and and uh swing uh, swing passes into the flat and they have killed the eagles this year. Opponents have killed the eagles this year on those types of plays and that's what the baltimore offense is based on. Is misdirection is is run pass options. It's it's end arounds, it's 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 jet sweeps. It's it's all that stuff. And so the defensive line is going to have to play discipline. They they've got to look at Lamar Jackson probably more as a runner than a passer. And I say that and Lamar Jackson will probably put up 375 yards in the air. But that's how the Eagles, I think, the, how their front four has to approach this game. They have to, you know, it's almost like Mike Vick back in the day where you basically had to do a mush rush. You ba- you had to maintain your rushing lane so he, he didn't break contain. And that's what the Eagles are going to have to do, what they're going to have to do here. So you might not get a big sack total, a big sack day, unless the Eagles are disrupting running plays behind the line of scrimmage. So uh, Brown is a, a, a good right tackle. Um Philadelphia has a strength among the front four. He's going to be a key guy to watch uh, at right tackle uh, in order to keep guys out of Lamar Jackson's face. Of course, one of the guys that Eagles fans are going to be watching very closely on Sunday afternoon is L.J. Fort. Inside linebacker L.J. Fort, who the Eagles signed to a free agent contract last year. He was the third free agent this team signed last offseason. A guy they clearly targeted and then never played. Now, I don't know if that's Howie Roseman. I don't know if that's Jim Schwartz. But they let L.J. Fort go in the middle of the season in order to get a fourth-round compensatory draft pick, and then they ended up losing that pick when Jordan Matthews— or it got nullified when Jordan Matthews uh, was cut by the 49ers. So they basically let L.J. Fort go for no good reason whatsoever— they did nothing to address the linebacker position this offseason. Meanwhile, L.J. Fort goes to Baltimore and immediately makes an impact to the point where they sign him to a contract extension. He was, he was recently named AFC Defensive Player of the Week for, for how well he's done. L.J. Fort has been fantastic for, for Baltimore and with Carson Wentz starting to play a little bit better and Carson Wentz is even starting to run the football a little bit Miles Sanders had a big run last week he but other than that big run he he struggled a little bit but he's starting to get into the groove now so the Eagles do have a running game that they can turn to and LJ Fort is the guy who he's basically the the linebacking glue that keeps that defense together now rookie linebacker Patrick Queen is also making a ton of plays all over the field. And, hey, what do you know? A really good defense has really good linebackers. Color me shocked. Color me surprised that a really good defense has really good linebackers. The Eagles' ignorance, uh, and this is Howie Roseman. This is Howie Roseman and his philosophy. He just doesn't, he thinks you can get linebackers from anywhere. You can't. You need good linebackers. And this team has just punted that position year after year. I've been yelling about this for, for for three years, ever since they let go of Jordan Hicks, which I think they probably should have, and then didn't really nothing to replace him. They just haven't cared about the linebacker position, and you see, good teams have good. Linebackers, and that is something Baltimore has. And uh, obviously, if L.J. Fort has a big game, that's not going to be a fun afternoon for Howie Roseman. Uh, just stay, stay off Twitter, Howie. And I'm going to be one of the people on Twitter screaming about L.J. Fort because he should be the Eagles' middle linebacker right now. A couple other guys to to keep an eye on. Uh, Marcus Peters is someone in the secondary that. Carson Wentz is going to have to stay away from. And my guess is Marcus Peters is probably going to get Travis Fulgham duty. I mean, I don't know that we've reached the point where Travis Fulgham deserves to have an opposing team's best cornerback shadow him the entire game. But when you look at what else the Eagles are going to have this Sunday afternoon, that might be the best course of action for Baltimore. And Peters, just unlike most Eagles defensive backs, is a ball hawk. He just gets to the ball. He's He already has two interceptions this year. Carson Wentz leads the NFL in interceptions. He's got nine interceptions. Now, two of those interceptions last week, the two interceptions last week were not Wentz's fault. One was on a fourth and 20 Hail Mary at the end of the game, which was essentially a punt that should have never have been caught. And the other one was on a route where Zach Ertz was interfered with, knocked off his route. Ertz didn't go to the spot where Wentz was, where he was supposed to be, and Wentz threw it right into the arms of a defender. Again, both those interceptions not on Wentz, but up until last week, Wentz has been careless with the football. So the odds are probably better than not that Peters is going to get another pick, and so he's a guy that uh, you should be keeping an ear out uh, for on Sunday afternoon and see what and and see whether how active he is because he does tend to get his hands on the football and make some plays. So as we are looking to the injury report for Sunday afternoon, the Eagles have ruled out seven players for Sunday. Safety Marcus Epps with ribs. Right tackle Lane Johnson is going to miss this week with his bum ankle. Right guard Matt Pryor will also miss Sunday's game with an illness. Linebacker Duke Riley is out. Wide receivers Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey are both out yet again. And cornerback Avante Maddox is out yet again. This will be the 17th game, including the playoffs, out of a possible 23 that Deshaun Jackson has missed since returning to the Eagles last year. And let's remember two of those games last year. He played a couple of snaps in the game against Atlanta, and then left, and he played a couple of snaps in the game against Seattle, and then left because he, he wasn't ready. He's essentially played he essentially played one game for the Eagles last year, and played two games for the Eagles this year. And even when he played this year, he looked like he was going at fifty or sixty percent, and he wasn't on the field for large portions of the game. I, I I've gotten to the point, folks, with Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson that I'm glad they're not playing. I'm glad. Because right now, both of those guys, really since going back to last year, they've been more of a distraction than anything else at the moment. And not necessarily because of their attitude. I mean, we've heard that Alshon Jeffrey was the was the guy in the locker room who is talking smack about, about Carson Wentz. And maybe that's true, maybe it's not. Deshaun Jackson has not publicly given Carson Wentz a hard time. When I say that they're a distraction, it's not because of anything off the field or because they're trying to be a distraction necessarily. But just the, the will-they-won't-they. They. You know, this is like a bad 80s romantic sitcom where the two leads are constantly... Fl- it's like Sam and Diane. Will they or won't they? Will Deshaun play or won't he? Will Alshon play or won't he? Both these guys have been practicing for the last three weeks, and they, they can't get on the field. It's more of a distraction than anything else. I mean, how, there's there's been more than a few games where Carson Wentz goes into a game thinking he's going to have Deshaun, thinking he's going to have Alshon, and then doesn't have them. And that's got to throw you. That's got to throw you as a uh, you know as a, a as a quarterback to think you're going to have to think you're going to have these players, these productive players, and then and then they're just not there. So, I mean, we heard all week Deshaun Jackson looked really good in practice, and then all of a sudden he's out. And we won't know the exact reasons for that, but how does that happen? How do you look great in practice, and then all of a sudden you're out? Not that you're questionable, that you're just out. I mean, is he really that fragile that he'd have some kind of a, an unseen setback? You know, I, I I really reached the point with these wide receivers that it's better for Carson to play with young, hungry guys that he knows are going to be out there and that want to play for him. Now, that being said... Who wants to put odds on a Travis Fulgham injury this Sunday? <laughs> I hate saying that. I, and I'm just joking because, you know, obviously there's no reason to believe Travis Fulgham is going to suffer from an injury on Sunday, but that's just the way things have gone. Anyway, it, it's, it's not going to happen. Travis Folgum's going to be healthy and it looks like, it looks like Carson Wentz has found himself a new favorite receiver. That was cer- that was certainly the indication last week. So, um, at this point, it's better for Carson just to play with the young, hungry guys that want to play for him. You know, it's just let's just let's just stop worrying about Deshaun and Alshon. Because even if they play, even if they start, even if they get in a game, Carson can't rely on them to play the whole game. I would rather see Folgum and Greg Ward and John Hightower and even Quez Watkins at this point and Deontay Burnett. I would rather see these guys than Deshaun Jackson at 65% kind of going through the motions out there and then leaving the game in the middle of the third quarter. Or Alshon Jeffrey kind of going around, you know, catching balls and running out of bounds, you know, because a stiff breeze blew him over or blowing out his tire midway through the second quarter and then the Eagles are scrambling again. How many times has that happened with Carson over the last couple of years? It's distracting. It's distracting. And I realize some of that's football, and you got to deal with it. But not when it's week in and week out with these guys, and the whole will they, won't they play? They're practicing. Will they play? Won't they play? Just, just enough. Enough. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. Let's let the young guys play. See how you know? I just think Carson plays better with those guys. Now, he needs people around him who can make some plays, and Travis Fulgham made plays last week, and that's why he got all those targets. That's why he caught 10 balls. That's why he went for over 150 yards and scored a touchdown. That's why he's got two touchdowns this year. Carson Wentz saw guy making plays for him. If Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey could still make plays, I'd say get him out there as fast as possible, but it's been a long time since either of those guys have made plays. And by the way, not keeping these guys on IR, not putting these guys on IR or PUP, Not exactly great roster management. As Les Bowen noted on Twitter, Peterson acknowledged that they hoped he'd be ready, that Alshon would be ready to play by now, but by not having Alshon Jeffrey on the pup list, the Eagles have lost Noah Tagai, and Casey Tuhill to other teams, trying to get them through waivers to the practice squad. Now, those guys are probably not going to really be star players. They're probably just camp bodies, but you didn't have to lose those guys. You could have you could have kept those guys by having Sean Jeffrey on the pup list, but because we st- we're still chasing Sean Jeffrey, trying to get Alshon Jeffrey back on the field, just forget about it. Just forget about it already. All right, here's why the Eagles are going to win. And I know this makes absolutely no sense. The, the Ravens are a, a clearly a better team. But I think you should look at this from Baltimore's perspective. It's a road game for Baltimore. It's an out-of-conference opponent. The Eagles, no matter what you think of Carson Wentz, he is a dangerous quarterback, and he seems to play better with these young players. He played his best game of the season last week against Pittsburgh. He's a guy who can get red hot, and carry a team, even with substandard talent, and this team has nothing to lose. At one three and one, they are not expected to win this game. They are seven and a half point underdogs. They are not expected to win this football game. This is a dangerous combination for the Ravens. This is this is the type of a situation where a good team. This is a game where you could ex- you could look back and you can say, I can see why the Ravens lost that game. You know, they're just coming off a, a big win over a division rival. And you're playing a team that doesn't play in your conference. It's a team you're not terribly familiar with. You don't see them all that often. You're playing on the road against a good quarterback with a team that can rush the passer. And by the way, Baltimore's offense, their passing offense has not been good, and one of the thing, one of the things the Eagles have done well over these last few years with Jim Schwartz is stop the run. And we've seen this Eagles defense can play well against a run-oriented team. 2 weeks ago against the 49ers, for example. So, there are some matchup issues here. With Baltimore that could play into the Eagles' favor. Now, most rational people take a look at this take a look at this game and clearly you you would say that Baltimore will win this football game. But I just don't see it. I think the Eagles beat the Baltimore Ravens at home. I think this is a trap game for Baltimore, and I know some of you listening don't believe in trap games. I absolutely believe in trap games. I think this is a trap game for the Baltimore Ravens. I think, I think the offensive line, even without Lane Johnson and Matt Pryor, I, Stoutland is an absolute miracle worker. What to, Jordan, Jordan Mailata has done these last two weeks have been nothing short of heroic. This offensive line just seems to find a way. And it's because of Stoutland. Stoutland is incredible. So I think this offensive line, I'm I'm not as worried about the offensive line anymore. I really think Stoutland coaches these guys up and they play well. Carson Wentz is looking a little bit more mobile. They, have a, they seem to have a guy in the passing attack who can make some plays. I think this is a week you could see Miles Sanders get more involved in the passing attack. I think this is a week where you could see Zach Ertz start to emerge again as a productive player. John Harbaugh is perhaps the best coach in the NFL. I love John Harbaugh, but John Harbaugh is not immune to losing a game like this. Every, every good team loses one or two games during the course of a season that they probably should not have lost. I think this could be the, one of the Ravens games that they probably should not have lost this year, but did. So I'm going to say Philadelphia Eagles 34, the Baltimore Ravens 27. And, folks, that'll do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. Thanks, everybody, for listening once again this week. Don't forget to check out BleedingGreenNation.com every day in the days leading up to each Sunday where you can get all the latest news and information about your favorite football team. And, again, don't forget to check out SB Nation's Ravens site, baltimore beatdown, and find out everything that's going on with the ravens ahead of this sunday's game and also please don't forget to leave a five-star rating and a review at the bleeding green nation podcast feed on apple podcasts thanks everybody for tuning in i'll talk to you next week here on eye on the enemy
0: B G N.